you reminded me, John, as you were talking, this is not how I was going to start, but you reminded me that God is really writing his story all around the planet, all around the world. I can't get a single, I got one hallelujah, thank you, Melissa. Is he not writing his story around the planet? He is. And, and I'll be the first to, to confess that as American, I slide into that, that, you know, everything's about us. Everything's about the United States and about what we're experiencing in our world, um, particularly as a Californian, right? The rest of the world's just like us. And, but God, God is not just at work here in California, but he is writing his story around the planet because that's who he is. And we're invited to be a part of that. And so when I get to go over there, that's really what it is. I get to step in that, that chapter that he's writing in that, that part of the world. So, let me ask you. Have you ever watched a movie, and when the movie was over, whether it's at home or at the theater, and you just like, why did I waste the last hour and a half of my life or two hours? Right? What was the point, yeah? I have. Okay, have you ever... Uh, experienced a movie, you've watched it at home or you've watched it at a theater and you come away from that experience deep in thought that you're, you're, you're thinking, you've been, you've been challenged, you've been impacted you discovered something new about the world or about yourself or your place in the world yeah? so the reality is there are, there are good stories well told stories that are impactful and then there's, there's stories not so much what's the difference? I was thinking about this this week, and, and I'm, I'm hoping to stir some thinking in your own uh, thoughts, too. What is it that makes a compelling story? What is it that, that, what are the elements that when I come out of the theater, or I turn off the, the TV or the whatever, and I'm like, wow, and, and my wife knows, she knows. I don't know if she's in here. Is she? Yeah, she, she'll say, like, what are you thinking? There's something on my face, you know? That, wow, some, that, boy, that really made me think. That, that made me examine my own life, my own story. What is it that makes a story so compelling? Would you think about that as we move through our time this morning? What are the elements? What is it that makes a good story? One of the, one of the things you can do is you can think about the movies or the stories that really have stuck with you. Why is that? Do, you, do anybody have a top five movie list? Guys do this. Do ladies do this? Not so much, ladies. Got, but, okay, am I the only guy? Raise your hand if, you, if, I could, if I said, hey, what's your top five? You could tell me. Okay, so it's de- definitely something we do more. What puts those movies in the top five? Now, hopefully it's, it's God-honoring stuff, right? Just throwing that out there. Made me laugh really hard, but no, that, no. What, and, and that's usually not the case, right? It's, it's usually you're able to say, man, this movie, I just love blank about this movie and how it, blank. So that's something you can do as you're thinking this morning. What are my top five or what are the movies that have been the stories that have been most impactful? Here's another thing you can do. What movies do you most quote from? Anybody do that? We do that in our family. You know, There's a movie, it's a western called Silverado. Anybody know Silverado? That's in my top ten. And around our family, that was one of the first, what were those things called? DVDs? I think those little round things, remember? Remember those? Anybody? Okay, and we bought one for Christmas, the player, and, and that was one of our first ones, and, you know, I don't want to kill you, and you don't want to be dead. There you go. There it is. There's one. That's one from Silverado. 
So think about that. Think about what's bouncing around in your head. What is it that makes a good story? Now, join me with your attention to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're in 2 Peter. We're looking at this letter that Peter wrote a long time ago. And we're, we're, trying, to, we're, trying, to, we're trying to understand the word of God, yes. And we're trying to take it and apply it to our lives. But we also should be trying to put ourselves in the moment, Peter's moment, the churches that he was writing to. Because I believe, and I know most of us, if not all of us, maybe all of us here this morning believe that this is God's word for us today. You're going to leave me up here all by myself, are you? This is God's word for us today. And so I need to put myself in there. I need to understand. And we've called this series, anybody remember? It's grow time. It's time to grow. It's time to get serious. John, you mentioned that. They're serious about church. Are there not those of us here this morning maybe have at times we slide into just church is something we do. It's a service that we go to. It's a people, so what church do you go to? And you say the name. And we go through the motions. It's grow time. It's time to be serious about our faith, our, our life of faith, being known by love, being voices of hope in the day that he's placed us. And so that's, that's our focus as we try to understand and grasp what, what is Peter's heart or let me phrase it this way this morning. What is Peter's story? Peter's is, is, is uh, he's one of my favorite, in part because we have so many details about his story, don't we? Come on, don't we? Anybody here connect to him or relate to him or go, that's me sometimes? We're given all these scenarios, all these moments in his story. What is, what is his story? Why is he compelled to write this letter? And why did the Holy Spirit lead the early church to, to confirm that this is God's word to his people. This needs to be part of, of the, of the word, of, word of God. And so we're, we're, we're in the middle of chapter two, or chapter one, did I say chapter two? Chapter one, verse 12 is we're gonna, we're gonna pick it up there, and we're gonna, we're gonna learn something this morning about Peter's story and why he is telling the church what he's telling in his, in his letter. Chapter two, verse 12, so, Peter says, I will always remind you of these things. Anybody want to take a guess of what these things are? Context? Previous, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. What Pastor Matt has been teaching the last two weeks. We were introduced to the gardener. Remember the gardener? Do you know the gardener? And then last week we looked at the recipe for... See if they paid attention. Growth. Growth, right? The recipe, how do we grow? Because it's grow time. And so Peter then, in verse 12, he says, okay, this is why I'm going to keep reminding you these things that we've been talking about. I will always remind you of those things, these things, even though you know them. I'm not telling you anything new. But this word know is a, is a word that you, you, you know something experientially with the end being that you see something clearly. Is that important? Yeah, it's important, isn't it? Anybody ever make it through math class, but at the end of the math class, you didn't see anything clearly? You got the grade, right? You passed the, the class, but if, if you took a test three months later, you'd fail it. But, so the, the goal of truth, God's knowledge, is not that we can pass the test and, whoo, I got to see, and I get to move on. No, it's so that we would see clearly. 
He says, I know you know these things. You, you understand these things. You see them clearly. And in fact, you're firmly established in the truth that you have. You're rooted in the truth. You're standing on the truth that you have. I'm, this, the, the, my opening comments, he says, the things I'm talking about, they're not new to you. But I'm telling you these things. I'm specifically reminding you of these things. And I think it's right I think it's what literally what God wants or what God approves. I think it's good, approved by God, that we have our memories refreshed or woken up. He says, I think it's good, it's right to refresh your memory, to keep stirring up, waking up. Anybody want to have a math quiz this morning? Anybody took a class years ago? You want to take a math quiz this morning? No, right? I don't either. And I love math. But isn't it good to go back to things and revisit them and remind yourself and stir back up again why those things were important? Now, you may not do that with math, but there are many things that it is important, isn't it? That we go back and say, why is this so important? So he says, it's, it's, it's good to refresh your memory. And as long as I live in the tent of this body, as long as I'm in this flesh, tent was a common uh, picture of the body, life in the flesh on this earth. As long as I'm in the tent, what you know me, it's good for me to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent because I know that I will soon, and the word soon here means kind of suddenly without knowing when it's going to happen, I know that soon I will put it aside. You understand what he's saying there? He's saying my time here on earth is short. It's going to happen, not sure when, but I think, it, I believe it is soon. Because he reflects and he says, our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. I know that I will soon put this tent aside, this body aside, and I will be with Jesus. And he's made that clear to me. And so I will make every effort. I will be diligent and I will treat it as urgent to see that after my departure, that once I am gone, <laughs> and this is the word for exodus, I love that. It's the, the Greek word that means exodus, this, this setting free and going away. That after I am leave this body and I go to be with Jesus, that you will always be able to remember these things. That you will be equipped. These pastors that John was talking about, that is one of the goals of this training. And he talked about training people that are there, boots on the ground, so that when we're physically not there, that can be passed on. The ability to come back and remember. How many are willing to lift their hand and, and stand with me and say, I need to be reminded of things over and over and over? All right, the rest, rest of you just need to confess your dishonesty with God. Now, let me ask it this way. Gentlemen, married gentlemen, how many have to be reminded every single day of what it means to be a good husband and to, to honor your wife. Thank you, brother. Wow, not so many men. Okay. Some got it. Matt just said he's perfect. He's, he's got it. Amy? Oh, Amy's shaking her head, so we'll, we'll have a conversation later. We need to be, re okay, parents. How many parents recognize, whether you have young children or they're teenagers, how many recognize that you got to remind your children and your young people the same thing over and over now, how many are willing as a follower of Christ to acknowledge that I need the Spirit of God to remind me over and over and over of what, not the, not the, the cautious um, avoidance of sin, but the courageous pursuit of God's will. 
and what he wants me to be in any given moment. Peter says, here's, here's the deal, church. I know my life is short. My time on earth is short, and I've been reminding you of things that you already know, but here's what I know. I know that it's important, and this is what God has called me to do. This is my story, Peter says, is that I'm here to remind you of these things and to make it possible to equip you in such a way that when I'm no longer here physically to remind you, you will be able to stir up, to bring, the word remember at the end of verse 15, is to bring to the forefront of your thinking. It means to bring it to the top of the list. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? That list that we have, the, the list that women can manage and we can't. <laughs> he says, I want you to be equipped to bring up to the top, okay? Okay, good. To bring it to the top of the list. Bring it to the forefront. And so here, I'm gonna, I wanna ask some questions. I asked you to think about your, story, your movies, your favorite. What is it that makes a good story? And so I'm gonna ask you some questions this morning as we move through the text to help us do that. And here's the first one. What is your story? I want you to think about you. Peter, he didn't always know his story, did he? Did he always know why he was here and what he was supposed to be doing? No, he didn't, right? I will never, you know, stand down. I will be with you, Jesus, no matter what happens. Okay, we, we know how that worked out, you know. I can walk on water. We know how that worked out. Jesus, you can't go to the cross. Yeah, get behind me, Satan, you know, and Satan. I mean, he, he's, he's, he's navigating it, and, and many of us are in that part of life, right? And that's, that's good. That's good. But there was a long time where Peter couldn't tell you what his story was. What is my part in this big story that is, God is writing? What is my plot line, my story and God's story? But at this point in his life, he, he, he can. Now think about this. John chapter 21 is where Jesus tells them that he is going to die one day for his faith. You're gonna, you're, so they're going to take your life because you're my disciple. Okay? Many scholars believe that when he's writing this, he's in prison. Partly why maybe he knows that it's coming soon. He knows he's going to die. He knows he's not going to die of natural causes. He knows that someone is going to take his life because of his love for Jesus. And so he's freaking out about that, and he's making sure he's got a good health care you know, provider, and he's, you know, and, he's, and he's cautiously, or is he just living the story that he knows God has given him to live? Do you hear it in him? He goes, guys, this is why I'm here. Paul says something different, similar, doesn't he? The Apostle Paul, man, I'd much rather go to heaven, but God has me here for now, and so here's how I'm gonna live my life. He says, I'm here because I wanna equip you that you can recall, you can take the truths that you have, that you, are, you know them and you're rooted in them, but I want you to be able to bring them to the forefront. They should be shaping your thinking every single day, every set of circumstances. These truths that we're called to be followers, disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm gonna do with my life. And so in my final time, my final days, my final period of, of, of life on this earth, I'm gonna just equip you to make sure you know how to live out these truths that you have, that God's given us. So again, I ask you and I ask myself, what's your story? What if you asked the people in your life? What if you asked if you're married, if you asked your spouse? What if you asked your, your children? What if you asked your teenager? What if you asked your boss or your neighbor or your closest friends? What if you asked the other people in your community at church? 
what, how would you describe my story? How would you summarize who I am and, and why I'm here? Wouldn't that be interesting? Well, maybe not, okay? Maybe it'd be scary. Maybe we would wanna hear the result. Do you know your story? Let me ask it this way. How are people being impacted by your story when they hear it, when they see it, when they experience it? Think about that movie on that top five list and how it changed you and how it made you think. What impact is my life having on the people that I interact with? As I live out the story that is my life, what's my story? There's a, an Austrian philosopher named Ivan Illich. I know nothing about him except this quote. He was asked this. He said, if you want to change a culture, and this was a long time ago, if you want to change a culture, would you change, or to change a society, would you do it by violent revolt, or would you do it over a long period of time in gradual reform? And this is what he said. If you want to change a culture, you need to tell an alternate story. You need to tell a different story. I want to ask you, and I, I, don't, I don't, don't know all of you and where you're at in your journey of, of faith or searching or, or why you're even here. Some of you and I will. But let me just ask the, the crowd, or not ask you, I want to throw it out there. We have an alternative story that we've been given to tell. And that alternative story John referenced, it's the gospel it's, the, it's this idea that all of us are born broken and in sin, and it's passed down from Adam and Eve through every human being that is born. And I started out in life as a, as a rebellious kid. I was super cute, I'm sure. But I was rebellious, and I, I wanted everything to be about me. I wanted what I wanted, when I wanted it, and the whole world better revolve around me because I'm the most important cry in this planet. And that's how my life started. And every day on this earth, I have this draw, this pull, this desire to be selfish, to do what's best for me, not for you, not for her, not for the people that I love, but for me. And the story that we've been given, the revelation of God is that all human beings are this way because of sin, because of the rebellion of the first created man and woman, and that we are hopeless to change that, and that the consequences of that is that we're all headed for death. Now, can any, anybody prove a, a, offer a case against that? No, we all die. Everyone we have known or read about and everyone present, we are all, why? And the story that we've been given from God is because, because of our sin. And that's our destiny. But then, but then God said, I'm gonna send my son. And that's why we have a cross up here. Do you ever wonder why we have a, we have a, a symbol of execution at the center of our church, out on the building. You ever think about that? Why do Christians put this, this cross? Because our creator, the one who made us, the one who loves us more than any, anyone could, came and gave his life on the cross to free me from my destiny of death and separation from God. And he did it because he loves me. That's all I got. That's the story. 
And if we put our faith in that, if we grab onto that and say, I cannot fix what's wrong with me, I need a rescuer, I need a savior, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. I am your rescuer. My arms are open. Come here. I love you. I will forgive you, cleanse you. I will begin a relationship with you, the changed heart that John talked about, the new life, the transformation that happens. And then we will be, you'll be adopted into my family and you'll be mine for all eternity. Some, yes, someday this body will bear the consequences of sin. Have you looked at me lately? Do you see the evidence? You know, it's happening before your eyes. And one day this body will no longer work. But me, because praise God I'm more than this, will be instantly with him and I will be with him forever. And I will enjoy that relationship through all eternity because I'm a good guy. No, good, thank you, because of that, yes. That's the story, that's the alternative, the alternate story that we've been given to tell and to live out. And if we think about that for a minute, isn't that always what God has said? I wanna transform the world, God says, I wanna change it, but the way I'm gonna do that is I'm gonna put storytellers in the big story and you live out your story. And as you live out your story, you're telling this alternate story and you will transform the space, the culture, the relationships that you're in. We're not gonna do it through government. We're not gonna do it through better institutions. Those things need to be addressed and we need good government. We need good institutions. It's, it's helpful to have a solid economy. Health is important. Health, there's all these things that are important things, but none of those things is gonna transform Northern California. It's going to be storytellers living out in an alternate story to what our world is telling. You with me? And all that's happened, nothing new has happened under the sun, but all that's happened in my lifetime is our world has gotten a whole lot better at telling their story. I have a whole lot more access to the story of this world. All I got to do is pick up my phone and I can start reading about the story that this world is telling. You too? Turn on your TV, your phone, your computer, your neighbor, coworkers, everywhere you turn. All that's happened in our day, in our lifetime, is that our world has gotten better at living out, telling their story. The question is, are we getting better? Are we more committed? Are we faithful to telling the alternate story that God has given us in the moments of our lives? So I ask you, what is your story? What is your story how are people impacted by your story? Here's Peter saying, you know, guys, not telling you anything new, but boy, I want to equip you to live out what you know. If we want to change our culture, tell an alternate story. Verse 16. You guys are listening way too slow. We did not follow cleverly invented stories. Listen to Peter. Let me remind you guys, remind the church. We didn't make it, we didn't, we didn't, we're not smart people that made up this story. Boy, it makes a great, makes a great movie. We've been telling this story by movies as long as there's been movies. Do you realize that? That's one of the first stories that started being told through movies. And it's told over. Anybody remember Ten Commandments and Charlton Heston? Okay, some of you have no idea who Charlton Heston is. We did not follow cleverly invented stories. We didn't make this up when we told you about the power, catch this, the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that phrase because that's what we say when we, when we do communion, on the weeks that we do communion. We proclaim his death, that's the power of God to conquer sin, to conquer death, to pay for my sin so that my destiny, my eternity goes from 
Eternal separation from God in hell to eternal relationship with God in heaven. That is powerful. And we told you, we proclaim his death till he comes. We told you about the power of God. Salvation, transformation, what God can do. And the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't make these things up, church. Listen to what Peter says. Peter says, I was there. I saw it. I was an eyewitness of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father. When the voice came to him from the majestic glory, speaking from heaven where the Father is, and he spoke into the earth, and the voice said what? This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. What's he talking about? You know what he's talking about, right? You can see in the Gospels, look at, look at Matthew 17, just for a minute. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. There's Peter, James, and John, this inner circle that often traveled with Jesus when he wanted a smaller group with him. John, the brother of James, and Jesus led them up to a high mountain by themselves, very significant mountain outside of Jerusalem. And there, on that mountain, Jesus was transfigured before them. He was transformed. He went from this human body, this carpenter's son from Nazareth, this rabbi, this teacher, and he was transformed before their eyes. And this is what happened. His face began to shine like the sun. Have you ever tried to look in the sun? Don't do it if you haven't. Okay, just, I don't wanna be responsible for that. But how many have tried? Okay, good, yeah, that's how dumb we are. You know, we, and, you, and you can't, you just can't look at it, right? It just, it burns in through your eyes into your head. And his face was glowing, it was shining like the sun. And these clothes, these just normal carpenter clothes, rabbi clothes, became white as the light. And just then there appeared before them, it gives me goosebumps, can you imagine? Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah are there, and they're talking to Jesus like it's a normal thing. Right? He's like, he's all of a sudden, he's got, so, Moses, how's it going, man? Hmm. You gotten over that whole whacking the rock thing, you know? Remember that? You know that? You know? They're just talking. And Peter, James, and John are there, and, and John are looking at this unfolding, and, and <laughs> they're talking with Jesus, and then Peter being Peter, because he's still figuring out his story at this point. You with me? He's still trying to figure out, you know, why he's a disciple and what God's doing. And he goes, oh, hey, Jesus! Which, first of all, Peter... It's Moses and Elijah and the Creator. Just be quiet. This is not a time to go, excuse me, you know, I got something to say. He goes, Jesus, he doesn't even ask. He says, Lord, it's so good for us to be here. After all, we're your favorites. If you wish, if this is what you want, I'll, put, I'll build three shelters. I'll build monuments to you where you guys can sit and have your coffee and talk. One for you, Moses, one for you, Elijah, and one for Jesus. And while he's in the middle of talking, man, this just reminds me of my marriage. You know, sometimes I'm just blabbing on and blabbing on, and you know, I got stuff important, and Becky just graciously, while I'm still talking, says something profound. As Peter is talking, a voice from the cloud says, this is my son, whom I love. I'm well pleased with him. Peter, listen to him. 
Now, Peter brings up this moment in his letter here, in our text, and it's because I believe this is the, this is the when you think about that movie that impacts you, there's that, there's that moment, right, where you're just, you're not sure if the, if the antagonist is going to get his due or if the, the problem is going to be solved. Are they going to get together? Are they going to win the battle? What, you know, ah, and who is it, Marvel? Is it Marvel? They're the king of this, right? They, they will, in a movie, they'll have six different scenes going on, right? And they're all coming to a climax at the same time, and you're moving back and forth, and you're just like, uh, you know, and what's going to happen? And then it goes part two in two years, you know, and then you, and then you have to wait for it. I think this was the transformative moment for Peter as he's there, and he's still being Peter. He's like, wow, I can't even look at him, and there's Moses, and there's Elijah, and oh, and oh, you know, it's good that I'm here, because I'm a, you know, I'm going to... And God says, Peter, 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 I, I need you just to listen for a minute. This is my son. This is the creator. This is God. And I sent him. Listen to him. He's doing my will. He's doing my will. And I think in this moment, Peter has that epiphany that he's still got to work it out. He's still got to figure it out. But he knows his story. And here's the second question. Here's what is important to you and I as it was to Peter. Not just figuring out what our story is and why we're here, but let me ask this question. Who is the star? Who is the main character of your story? Because sin, humanity will tell you that you are. My flesh, my thinking, my reasoning tells me that of course I'm the star of my story. And here's Peter going, oh, it's so good that I'm here. Jesus, you chose the right three guys. I'm so glad I'm here. Did you bring your hammer? Okay, let's, it's good, you know. Like, Peter, 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 you're not, you're part of this story, and I have a story for you to live out because I want to transform the world through storytellers that will live it out. But Peter, you've got to wrap your brain and your heart around this. Jesus is the main star. He's the main character. He's the main plot line of this story. And we've got to be honest with ourselves so the way I've been living, would the people in my life, would my wife be able to tell you honestly, if you went up to her this morning and said, so who's the main character in Kurt's life, would she be able to honestly tell you that it's Jesus? And there's, thank you, but I'm telling you, there's days where I'm not so sure that she would say that, if she was being honest. We need to reflect on our own life and what we're doing with the time, the breath that he's given us. And as Peter was in this journey, let's step into this journey. Who is the star of my, my story? I'm the, I'm the supporting cast. I am. My, my credit in the movie is going to be lost down here, and I'm okay with that. But when the credits come down, you, you ever notice in movies, you have all the supporting cast, you know, that, but before it gets to that, you get these big names, right? The stars of the, you know, they just tell you one more time, you know, starring and when my life is on screen, that first name should be Jesus. If I want my story to be impactful, to impact other people, to be a part of the alternative story, alternative story, the gospel that God is telling today, if I want to be a part of that and live my story well, Jesus has to be the first credit. So ask yourself, who's the star of your story? Okay, man, you guys speed up. Let me, let me quickly walk through some. I think this is so cool. There's a guy named Edward Kimball, and he worked in the shoe business with a guy named Deal Moody. He shared the gospel with Deal Moody, and Deal Moody came to Jesus. He led him to Jesus. Deal Moody was speaking in Chicago years later, 
And after hearing him speak, a guy named Frederick Meyer, who was a pastor, was stirred to such a, in such a way that he, he began a nationwide preaching ministry. He just began to travel and preach the gospel. He was preaching one day where a young college student named Wilbert Chapman heard him speak and Wilbert accepted Jesus. Wilbert Chapman employed a young baseball player named Billy Sunday. He was a good baseball player, actually. I've seen some of his, uh, his stats. Billy Sunday became one of the greatest evangelists evangelist of his generation. One time he was preaching in Charlotte, North Carolina, and he was asked to come back. God really used him, and, but he couldn't, and so it was a group of businessmen that had brought him, and he recommended they bring in someone nobody ever heard of named Mordecai Ham. And so instead of Billy Sunday, the next meetings, Mordecai Ham, Ham came to Charlotte, and there just, was, there just wasn't the same response as when Billy Sunday was there. But on the last night, a young man uh, named Billy Frank gave his life to Jesus. But we know Billy Frank as Billy Graham. So you go from a, a guy in a shoe store telling his story, telling the alternate story to a young shoe salesman named D.L. Moody, and it just goes from there. You talked about that, John. We, around here we might say 2 Timothy 2.2, um, right? Paul tells Timothy, find faithful men, faithful people that you can pour into so they can go do the same thing. You tell them the story. You live out the story. And you equip them to live out the story. And who knows what God's going to do? Here's what we know he will do. He will transform lives. He will transform this world through faithful storytellers. So do you know your story? Do you know who the star of your story is? One, one Maybe two more questions. Verse 19. Peter continues. Jesus is God. I'm telling you guys, Jesus is the star of my story. This moment on the mountain, he needs to be the star of our stories. Verse 19. And we have the word of the prophets. He said, let me, let me build a case for this. The word of the prophets, what they knew is the Hebrew scriptures, what we know is the Old Testament. We have the written word, we have the recorded word of the prophets, how God spoke through these prophets, and it's been, it, now we have it made more certain. Now let me just, I'll give you the, the cheat list, of the, 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 what do you call it? When you reveal the ending? Spoiler alert, thank you, whoever that was. Thank you. The spoiler, here's the spoiler alert, it's Jesus. What, what Peter's about to remind them is that we had this in, in, our, in our holy scriptures. We were told what God, the story God is doing and, and who he was going to do it through. And now that Jesus has come and lived and we saw it and I was there on that mountain, I'm telling you, I will die convinced that that is the creator. That is God that was on that mountain with Moses and Elijah. I'm an eyewitness to it. And now we take what we're given in, in what we know is the Old Testament, the, the word of the prophets and the life of Jesus, and they come together like that, and he says it's a solid foundation that you can live your life on. It's not shifty, it won't shake. Literally certain means it's dependable. You can build your life on it, and you will do well to pay attention, to apply what we have. As to a light, think about this, Peter says. Think about what happens when there's a light shining in the dark place. When you're lost and you can't see where you're going and a light comes on, what do you do? Hey, somebody turn off that light. It's blinding me. Or do you go, thank you, a light. Hey, hey, shine that over here. Oh, okay, great. Am I being silly or do you get you trekking with me? 
What do you do when a light shines in the darkness? You move towards it. You grab a hold of it. You go, thank you. So he says, you would do well to pay attention to what we've been given in the word of God and the, the living word, the life of Jesus. They come together. They make it certain, just like it's a light shining in a dark place. Pay attention to it until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Ooh, don't you want to spend an hour on that? I'm sorry, we can't. We're out of time. Give me a couple of minutes. Don, can I have a couple minutes? No, he said no. Okay. Holy Spirit, can I have a couple minutes? Okay, thank you. The morning star rises. Something's coming. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. This is not a human thing. Prophecy never had its origin. The Old Testament, what's written there, and the, the word of God coming through the prophets, was not, it didn't originate in those people. Prophecy never had its or, or, origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So here's my, my, my last question. How does your story end? When you thought maybe at the beginning about the different elements of a story, I don't know how many of you landed where I did, but here's where I landed this week. The most important part, there's other important parts, but the most important part to me is how the story ends. How does it end? Doesn't mean it has to be a Disney fairy tale ending, but how does the story end is what has the biggest impact on me. The, the struggle, the journey to get there, but then what's the outcome? Do you know how your story ends? Do you? He, he references it here. He says, when you're living on this earth, man, you gotta hang on to the truth you've been given and the, and the example of Jesus, who he is. We got a solid foundation. It's just like you have a light shining in the dark because you're living in the dark, folks, right now. We're living in a dark world. We're living in the darkness, but there's a light it's the truth of God's word, the person of Christ. But he says there's a coming a day where that's going to change. And the, the morning star will rise in your heart as a, like a day. The morning star is the first. It's not really a star. It's the first planet because it's in, the, it's in the, the daylight. It's in the early morning. And there's that planet that's reflecting light from somewhere else that shows up and it just stands out. And that comes up in the first part of the morning. And it, it's just rising up in your heart. So there's this moment coming. What is this moment Numbers chapter 24, just listen quickly. I see him, but not, not yet. I perceive him, but he's not near, not near. A star will come from Jacob, and a scepter will rise from Israel. Who is that? Very good. Malachi 4, hey, the day's coming, and it'll burn like a furnace when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of hosts, not leaving them root or branches. Judgment's coming. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, just like the morning dawn. And you will go out and you'll playfully jump around like calves. Oh, come on, that's cool. I want to do that. From the stall, you're just let out of the stall. You've been let out of the darkness. And, and you'll trample the wicked. They'll no longer have power over you for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I am preparing Ephesians chapter 5 everything exposed by the light is made clear for what makes everything clear is light therefore it is said get up sleeper wake up rise up from the dead and the Messiah will shine on you 
Revelation 19, I saw, John is speaking, one of the guys was at the mount with Peter. I saw heaven, later he was given this vision. I saw heaven opened up and there was a white horse and its rider is called Faithful and True and he judges, he makes war in righteousness. His eyes are like a fiery flame. Sound familiar? And many crowns were on his head and he had a name written that no one knows except him. And he wore a robe that was stained with blood. And his name is the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses. Wearing white, pure white linen, a sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And finally, Revelation 22. This is God speaking. This is Jesus speaking. Look, I'm coming quickly. Does Jesus know the end of the story? Does he know the end of your story and my story? There was, a, there was, I'm, look, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning of the story, the end of the story, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city of the gate by the gates. Outside are dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, everyone who loves and practices lying, everyone who is content to live in the dark, even when there's a light. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to attest these things to you, John, for the benefit of the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the bright morning star. That's the end of the story. That's how the story ends. The only question, and I'm done, worship team, please, thanks for your patience. The only question that I do feel compelled to ask is on those other ones, do you know your, what your story is and are you willing to live it and do you know who the star of your story is? Are you living as Jesus as the main character and do you know how this story ends that God has invited you and I into? Here's the last question. Am I a part of this story? And like I said, I don't know everybody here well enough to be able to say, yes, yeah, you have to answer that. We have to answer that, right? You with me? Am I a part of the story? I, I shared the story earlier. I'm not going to go through it again. But I know that anybody on this stage, anybody that's been up here this morning, I'm going I'm to ask our elders and, and deacons, deaconesses to stand. Would you guys do that if you're here present? Any of these people that are standing, just stand up for a, a minute with me. Any of these people that are here, maybe the person you came with would love to talk with you about what it looks like to join the story that God's writing. Thank you. Because there's two, there's two endings to the story. Have you picked up on that? There's this, the ending that we just talked about and we're gonna sing about. But it's also possible that my story, a person's story, ends eternally separated from God. And can I just tell you, here's the last thought, that is not the story God wants to write for you. He's the main character, he's writing the story, and he is inviting you and I to join, to be a part of that story. And if you're here this morning and you say, I don't know if I'm a part of that, please do not leave this morning. We're going to have lunch. We'll talk about that. You're welcome to stay and, and fellowship, to talk to any of these people that, that stood up this morning. Let's talk about your story. We want to hear your story. We want to tell you his story so that the ending of your story is what we just read. Amen? Let's sing. Let's worship.